It has been so hot, man. I have got like sweat rashes on my ass. I think that could be from um, jock straps and your you sit uh, being bent over your wife's lap and her <laughs> smacking it incorrectly. Maybe you you know you being a pussy because you know instead of taking it up the butt, you take the easy way in. Uh, <laughs> You need some baby powder and some Vaseline. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nonsense, people. Nonsense is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell. It is great to have you. Today, I'm being joined by a den den of militant eroticism. How are you, man? I am all fucking gayed out this month. <laughs> so much gay! Gay is everywhere. Seriously! <laughs> everywhere in New York. If I see one more rainbow motherfucking flag, I'm leaving this side of the fence. I'm joining you <laughs> filthy breeders over there. <laughs> That's it. Can't take it anymore. I'm eating yeah, pussy. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, and what woman wouldn't want a gay man? <laughs> I'm, I'm stealing your wife, Adam. You all take right. the kids. I'll take your wife. All right. Doesn't <laughs> like, sound yeah, like right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, <laughs> I'll have to. I'll, 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 I can do it. I can. I'll, I'll take the heat on this one. Uh, it is June 28th, people, and we have a fantastic show for you this week. We're going to start with The Devil's Advocate. We're going old school. That's right. Article or essay, Sweet Slavery, by Anton Xander LeVay. You can find that in The Devil's Notebook. And, of course, Heather Hyde is back with another Something Different episode, so we'll do that. Followed immediately by Militant Eroticism, episode 25. What are we calling this one? The Vaginal Conspiracy. The world's got to know about what that meat flower is up to. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, <laughs> after that, uh, we're like M.A. Mandrake has put together a wonderful episode of Between the Horns. It's uh, about Charleston shooting, episode five of Between the Horns. Look forward to that. And uh, we're going to close this out with an old Nick's Peep Show. Uh, we're going to be talking about the summer issue, so it's going to be a great show, people. Before we start, though, I've got a den on the line. What's what's new with Milton Eroticism, the book? Uh, the paperback and ebook are out, and of course, everybody being a Kindle fucking fanatic, that ebook is just soaring. Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Those bastards. I don't understand the ebook. No, I get it. I get it. It's very practical. <laughs> but it bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you you go through all the work to put out this uh, wonderful hardcover edition, and everyone's waiting for the ebook. <laughs> right. Well, no, it's just the, even the paperback, because I, I was all excited about the paperback. I'm like, look, I can bend shit. Look yeah. at it, it bends now. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Never, everyone, I've been getting emails for months about an ebook, and I'm like, you know what? Fine. Fine, I'll do an ebook. Um, 
Fine. So yeah, but Given that's great. That's going masses. fantastic. Yep. Militanteracism.com to uh, find out uh, more about the different locations you can pick it up. And I highly recommend it, everyone. It's a really fantastic read. Um, okay, so I, this last weekend, I went hiking with the family. And we went a little further than we had planned, but we really wanted to get back out into nature and uh, do a little bit of fishing. And this is actually the first time we've gone fishing and, and really distance hiking um, this entire season. And it was brutal heat. It was a long walk. Uh, the t- kids did wonderful. But, I mean, like I said, it was a brutal heat on the way in. We get there and we start fishing and lightning and thunder clouds are just rapidly rolling in. Like, ominously. I mean, we were on the lake. I brought an inflatable raft. And so we were on, on the lake, like, just floating. And all of a sudden, lightning and thunder is <laughs> just on the horizon. We're like, maybe, maybe we should get out of the Because that's where you want to be. Yeah, because yeah. that's where you want to be on this giant pool of water. I have to say, I saw some of the photos, and I, I'm incredibly jealous that that scenery looked beautiful. It's fantastic. I absolutely love yeah. it so much. Um, yeah, just being up there was wonderful. On the drive down, though, there was mm-hmm. snow. Like what? that storm that was on the horizon, we walked into the tail end of it as we were hiking out, but coming mm-hmm. down out of the Uintas. There was a mile stretch where we actually got fucking snow. It's 100 degrees in the valley, 27 minutes away, and up here, there's snow. It was unbelievable. Utah, man. It's crazy. Adam, stop doing greater magic with your family (laughs) in the middle of a hike. I keep telling you. Next time, it's going to be a fucking Sharknado. That, that's going to be like a long, <laughs> long Sharknado carrying sharks into in like mainland Utah. Yeah, it was it was crazy, man. It was it was such a wonderful day. And here's something I don't understand. Maybe you can explain this to me. I'm expecting you to explain this to me somehow. Um, right. <laughs> I run every weekday. I run. It's not a lot. I mean, I only run three miles every weekday, but I run three miles every weekday. No fail. I've missed it once in a year. And that's just because I drank too much. I, it's it's something I'm like completely used to. It's totally okay. I go for one goddamn day hike, and today my calves are aching, just pained aching. I don't understand. I run every day. I should be okay with going on a hike and not being hurt. But well, that's fuck me up, man. You're you're what 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 do you what do you run on the street? Treadmill. All right. So a treadmill versus actual terrain and the different, <laughs> I mean, come on, man. That's like saying, well, I, I rock climb every day in the gym. Oh, that's nice. You know, you mean where there's air conditioning and no wind and <laughs> I you know, do everything is smooth up, and comfortable. <laughs> right? I didn't expect it to hurt this much though. I, I really thought no, that <laughs> it would be okay. And I even incline on my treadmill. Treadmills are- Oh, because that's the way hiking goes. It's a straight up incline. All right, I have an elliptical. All right, because I can't, I can't do a treadmill anymore. My shins—they yeah. not even five minutes. My shins kill me. And I've tried, I've tried everything that any track person that I know has suggested. It doesn't matter. I need an elliptical. My shins just, my shins can't handle it. Um. So, but when I do the elliptical, uh, I put it on the. Uh, what's it called it, it 
I put it on this mode where it goes up and down, up and down, it builds up slowly and then shoots back down, you know, because I want to go if I had the time, um, yeah. which I will hopefully soon, um, to go hiking in, uh, in the Appalachians because I miss the mountains. I miss hiking. I'm so, I'm unbelievably jealous of what you did with your family. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like a lake, a real one. Oh, yeah. golly gee whiz. <laughs> <laughs> But um, no, that's probably why your calves hurt. I'm surprised it wasn't your knees, though. Yeah, I even like my my daughter. She's really really young, and she did fantastic going in and almost all the way out. But it just got to the point where she was she was in too much pain because she you know she doesn't doesn't work out or anything like we do naturally. Um, and so I had to carry her for the last I don't know maybe I carried her for a mile maybe before I just couldn't do it anymore either oh. <clears throat> brutal man even with that my knees are fine girl you're on your own yeah i was just like you know what honey you hey. are much too old for me to be having you piggybacking on this this is way i'm already carrying a 30 pound pack with this boat um i <laughs> i can't add another 60 and just be okay <laughs> like i'm just not trained that way when in my military days no problem now i am I'm dad's stomach. I'm like asthmatic. <laughs> I'm I've turned into like everything that you I've are not. Never... I saw you two months ago. You do not have a dad stomach. <laughs> two months ago, you do not have a dad stomach, and I know because all the girls and me were gossiping about how good you look in a white beater. <laughs> Great. All of us were just like, his wife better wash the fuck out. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Well, not really me, but, you know, the other women we were with were like, right. shit, thank God women can't rape men because it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the point That's is it. you don't have a dad's stomach and a 30-pound bag, come on, dude. When I went on my survival trip when I was 16, I was carrying 90 and I was, no, yeah. like 80, and I was chubby. Maybe I'm exaggerating. <laughs> maybe it was like 60. But anyway, I had pots and pans, like four big water jugs dangling yes. from my bag. I had my yeah. tent. I had a bunch of food. God, I missed No, it wasn't shit. bad on its own. I'm not complaining about it on its own. I was fine. It's when you added my daughter onto it that I was just like, oh, my fuck, oh, my back. Uh. It just got too much. <laughs> so, I mean, she's she's good. nearly just 60 pounds just on her own. So, uh, All right. Well, maybe maybe I'll stop expecting not to be hurt on hiking then, <laughs> just because I run. It's fucked up. Um, so I have another Nine Cents Presents Satanists on Satanic Cinema coming out. This episode is Rosemary's Baby, and I have two fantastic guests joining me, and I'll be announcing that probably next week after we've actually recorded it, just so I know that I'm telling you the truth and not fucking lying. Um, but... Rosemary's Baby is a fantastic show. I absolutely adore it. And these other two individuals really love it too. So this should be a really nice episode. Um, historically, if you haven't been, if you haven't checked these out, go to satanistonsatanicsinema.com. But it's just, it's like a riff track, uh, really. And, you know, we wax and wane about Satanism and the movie and scenes and joke around about it and stuff. It's just meant to be fun. But it's definitely something you should be checking out um, and look forward to this episode. Again, I'll be announcing uh, the particulars about it next week uh, when you should be able to expect it and stuff like that. So, um, you know, if you're inclined, tune in for it. Uh, let's. Uh, do you want to jump into a little Devil's Advocate? Well, hold on. Are, are you t doing the mini series? 
Or are you doing the uh, the Mia Farrow uh, Polanski uh, movie? Polanski movie. Mia Farrow. All right, good. Okay. I, Have you seen I the TV take series? The miniseries. I haven't seen it. I only saw this sex scene with Satan, and I was a little bit disappointed, but kind of turned on. I just wish there was more. I, I wanted a porno, but you know that's asking too much <laughs> of cable. <Yeah>. So, <laughs> now I'm ready for Devil's Advocate. I do not speak for the church of Satan. Sainthood, martyrdom, what a waste of precious masochism that could instead be directed towards the most profane infatuation. Love cannot exist without a master-slave relationship. But who, having known each role, would not find slavery the more desirable, nay, the only role which can be felt? In love, even the master is constantly monitored by the contrivances necessary to sustain slavish adoration. Far better to experience total anguish requires no effort, demands no criteria, imposes no limits. To be loved, feelings must be rationed. To love, the doors of hysteria, fantasy, madness may be flung open. Ooh, oh, man. My, my nipples are tingling. <laughs> this is a really, really short essay, but I, I think there's a lot jam-packed in here. And there's my first couple readings of this, I can't. I couldn't tell whether he was being serious or not. I, I, I genuinely thought it was sort of a, a tongue-in-cheek thing. Um, Who knows what that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there are some really wonderful, like, thoughts. So, speaking to this master-slave dynamic, and this is why I thought it was a little bit of a, a, a sort of tongue-in-cheek thing, because he what he's saying at the beginning here is being a slave is more desirable simply because it's easier. I mean, is, is that a lazy man's approach to to love or sex or relationship? See, this is where I always thought the essay was a bit tongue-in-cheek. Being a slave, I always thought, would be the harder job. No, no, wait a minute. Hold, hold on, let me think about this now. You see, here's, here's the thing. I'm, I, have to, I have to compare this to myself because that's the only standard in which this, um, these types of things make sense. It's um, as much as I'm somewhat of a masochist in bed or in my private life, you know, I want to be submissive to someone, mm -hmm. but I can't be, you know, even when a man can put me in my place, it, it chaps my ass to no end where I'm going to seek any kind of revenge I can. <laughs> I need men to serve me. And I'm starting to understand that the older I get, the more I'm being comfortable in this role. Um, I need someone to serve me, almost like a secretary, not like a dog. Um, so I, but I, I don't think slavery would be the easier thing because it, the way I look at slavery is almost like the secretary. You're the one who has to remember everything important. You're, you're the bottom of the clock. You're the one who keeps everything going. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I certainly wouldn't find slavery more desirable to be bound to someone else. Ugh. It is terrible. It's an interesting idea because in in other um, writings he's described where the masochist in a sadomasochist relationship has all the power, has all the authority. They get to say when you've crossed a line. They get to say when to stop and when to go. Whereas the sadist is just waiting. They're just wanting to unleash, but it's all at the 
masochist's whim. And I don't know if that is a direct relation tie-over to the master-slave dynamic. I mean, it's very similar um, in, in, in essence. And the way uh, Anton LaVey goes and continues in this essay, he speaks to how the the master has to plan everything. They have to be thinking all the time about how to engage the slave, how to drum up the adoration from this individual. They have to be on top of their game at all times. Whereas the slave, they just have to be ready. They just have to accept. They don't have to work at all. So in that light, I Make, guess I well, could understand you know how he's saying it. I cannot terms. I never thought of it that way before. Uh, he has another little wonderful quote here that says, to be loved, to be loved, feelings must be rationed. So if you are trying to be the master, if you're trying to be the one that's adored to be loved, you cannot just unload and be open and honest about everything all the time. You have to dole it out in small bits, small pieces to keep them coming back, keep them wanting more. It's a really interesting idea. Is this? Have you ever experienced this yourself, Aden? Well, that, that's the way I, I keep men interested, personally, is I ration out my secrets or my life to people that I think, I, I give it almost like um, like uh, treats. It, for, one, for one, I think it's a part of uh, just basic witchcraft. You know, the more you let them know, the more interesting and fascinating you are, because I think you got you figured out each step of the way. But when it comes to someone's affections and not just keeping them interested, it's um, especially with like the people, kind of people we're talking about, masochistic or bottom of the clock people, it's um, you have to ration this out because they always kind of have to feel like they're chasing something. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I do, I ration out my feelings or my, my affections and I give them a little bit more each time. Uh, and unfortunately, that's the way it goes. Or maybe fortunately, because when, when you know, you just, someone, maybe, have you ever had someone just, like, come at you with all their most intense emotions at once? It's, like, overwhelming. You get scared, and they seem like a freak. <laughs> and they are a freak, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even if they're completely sincere and not crazy, but. This is um, a continues to go along this line of explaining the dynamics of of love and keeping love and what you need to do in order to maintain it and that's why ultimately it's so much easier just to to find uh s someone uh really simple so you don't have to overthink your worship of them your your love of them um, there's this really wonderful quote uh, at the end, a little, little slice of the content here. Uh, the masochism of love demands debasement unobtainable through sterling sources. I'm going to say that one more time. I just love this so much. The masochism of love demands debasement unobtainable through sterling sources. How do you take <laughs> you, that? Why do you love it so much? Well, because love in and of itself, and this is the way I'm taking it, it's, it's a painful association. It's something that, that drags you down. That is, it's nothing but putting you in the position of utter weakness to this other individual. And the only way that you can truly feel that way for someone else is if they are just as rotten or just as despicable 
as you are or as you want to be treated. You can't get that from a sterling source, from a pure being, from someone who is nothing but cleanliness and authority and power. They have to have something a little off, something a little bit wrong with them, or they have to be tap dancing really damn well in order to keep you engaged. And that's the only way that you're going to get that fix, that masochism of love from them. If they, they have to be in it. They have to be aware of it. They have to be tainted just a little. That's fantastic. Love is masochist. I, I, you know, I've said quite a few times that, you know, emotions make you weak and therefore you should be very careful about who you share your feelings with. And I I never thought about it, thought about it in terms of masochism because I don't like to think of myself that way. Hmm. But you know, to be honest, you're right. Love makes you a masochist because you're willing to take the beatings from this person. Um, and just hopefully they're doing the same for you. <laughs> but, uh, this, back to what you had said earlier, I, I don't know. I think he starts off being sarcastic, tongue-in-cheek type of thing. But that sterling source connected with the first sentence, statehood and martyrdom, what a waste of precious masochism. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be used for profane infatuation. Uh, maybe, maybe he is talking about that dance, like like Peter said in the Satanic Scriptures. Um, you know that dance between the sadist and the masochist, mm. and uh, and how necessary those two interactions are. But but if you try to get them from the wrong source, or you try to get that out of you through some retarded way, it's going to be unsatisfying. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a fantastic yeah, I, essay. I, I don't know. I, I haven't read The Devil's... Yeah, it has been a while, right? I mean, this is this is like the, the original collection of essays after The Satanic Witch was released. So, it, I mean, it, it has yeah. a lot of really wonderful thoughts, little essays, little pieces in it, like just throughout the entire thing. It's really great. Yeah, lately I've been rereading Barton's book. So I, I, I haven't... When I pulled it off my bookshelf, I'm like, how long has it been since I've looked at this? <laughs> yeah yeah that's why I like going back to it for sure and I, oh, yeah, I definitely yeah. recommend everyone else go back to it too Sweet Slavery by Anton Zander LaVey this is from the Devil's Notebook pick it up read it yourself it is fantastic uh, let's do a little something different with Heather Height and then Militant Eroticism <laughs> Welcome to another segment of Something Different with Heather Height on Nine Cents. The most revered humans in history are honored and remembered for their creativity. Philosophers, painters, writers, sculptors, musicians, and great speakers. The establishment of the United States itself is attributed more to our founding fathers' ability to express themselves than it is to actual combat. Think about it. If you asked me in high school how this country was won, 
It would go something like Boston Tea Party, Founding Fathers, Declaration of Independence, Paul Revere, Washington Cross the Delaware Constitution, two pieces of great literature, and some battles. Michelangelo's and da Vinci's to-do lists and doodles are in museums. In addition to being great writers, philosophers, orators, and inventors, among these people are also lawyers and doctors and scientists, sometimes like all of these things at once. But somewhere along the line, a division was cast between creativity and intellect, not in reality, but in public perception, probably having something to do with opiates and creative thinky types propensity for self-medication. The first person who comes to mind, of course, is Edgar Allan Poe. Even American cartoonist Charles Adams depicted an opium den in at least one of his drawings. I'm not pointing fingers. I suppose he could have just been there to draw. What really established the idea of the starving artist was the beatnik generation. The influx of 20-somethings in the 50s and 60s brought about by our grandfathers and great-grandfathers saying goodbye to our grandmothers and great-grandmothers with their dicks. Romantic notions notwithstanding, just like any other threatened species on the planet instinctively attempting to create more offspring, whether they be American humans or Ethiopian humans, breed like rabbits. These horny young men left behind a generation of fatherless children in a society that, at least in the case of the United States, frowned upon single mothers and their offspring, which is weird in itself considering very few mammals have fathers that stick around. Even the dads that made it home did so after some fine-tuning in a boot camp and, as the very few stories my grandfather is able to talk about indicate, crawling through human shit in Italy and killing an enemy that turned out to be mostly young men just like them in Germany, more so in my grandfather's case, being very German himself. I swear to you he still jumps when he hears the name Hitler and he never even met the guy. They came home to an instant family created in a highly romanticized, heated moment of self-propagating passion. Human beings' tendency to reason against their nature culminated in a generation of disenfranchised youth, embracing anything that flew in the face of the nationalistic Prussian-inspired system that led their fathers marching enthusiastically away to defend their country, in many cases to their death, including self-expression and drug addiction. So what I'm trying to say here is somewhere between Howell and Horace Mann, society developed a disdain and lack of support for the free-thinking artist type, and probably rightly so, while at the same time sucking the creativity out of professions like doctor and lawyer. I have met exactly one lawyer in my lifetime that I admire as a free-thinking intellectual, and it was this year, 45 years on the planet, I met one. Maybe I just need to meet more lawyers. Anyway, while these coveted positions of doctor and lawyer are supported and admired, the kid who says, I want to be an artist, writer, actor, or musician is usually discouraged. Being a creative thinky type myself, this line of thinking has been something I've had to navigate through my entire life. Never really complained about it. I've always kind of embraced my connection to the disenfranchised pensive artsy type. Better and more productive to find some point of pride in my drug-addled brethren and the impact that they had, rather than wear it like some kind of victim of society badge. I enjoy imagining Charles Bukowski as a functional alcoholic writer who drank himself to death so that I didn't have to. Being a starving artist, I am always looking for a way to make a quick buck on my way to being discovered as the next great American writer. I recently tried finding writing gigs on sites like Elance and Freelancer. What I've discovered is that these sites have become infested with what boils down to creativity workshops, mostly from India. 
It makes so much sense when you think about it, being that our two countries share some historical similarities, barring the length of time it took to oust our British overlords. I'm not blaming Whitey. However, if you look at the worst parts in the world, like say the Congo and the best parts in the world, we'll just go with Amsterdam. The equation seems to be something like time occupied by white European government plus natural resources divided by melatonin levels of the indigenous peoples equals massive shitstorm left behind. To quote Louis C.K., I'm not saying that white people are better. I'm saying being white is clearly better. At any rate, India shares the same disdain for creativity as we apparently do, probably coupled with a collective subconscious disdain for Western intellectualism, which would explain their need for a stable of people with a grasp on English grammar and said people's devalued status, scrambling to score gigs that consist of writing for a fraction of a penny per word, and if they're paying in rupees, forget about it. Along with the gig proposal is a bidding process. So I thought, okay, clearly no one is taking jobs for these slave wages because the average bid is way higher than the proposed wage. Foolishly believing that I could rely on my ability to comprehend this system, I bid on a project titled Need Five Articles for $5 Each, posted by a user named FreakWeb. The average bid on this job was around $600, so I bid $500, thinking $100 an article is pretty good, for five to seven hundred words, really good in fact, but still comes in a hundred dollars less than the average bid. Okay, here's where I really got stupid. The person contacted me through the site's messaging system, asked me to write a sample article, and I fucking did it. I'm not even going to pretend that I acted with any level of intelligence, in fact, when I tell you I wrote three fucking articles. All the while, with this bitch from India messaging me things that made me think, is she being rude or is it just a cultural difference thing? Pretty much letting myself get talked down to under the assumption that I must be being an ignorant white American and just don't understand. Okay, first lesson, fuck that. Rude is rude in any language. Every single time I think I must just be misunderstanding someone because we're from different cultures. Turns out, no, they're just fucking assholes. That's what happened in this case. I finally said to her, you're being very rude which led to an epic, week-long, broken English-filled battle of hilarity and frustration, much of which I copied and pasted as status updates. If you're my Facebook friend or follow me on Twitter, you may have read some excerpts. But I'll read some of my favorites here anyway, because it's fun, and what better way to end my interpretation on world history than with a reenactment of my stupidity and some Indian broad's poor grammar. <clears throat> Here's our exchange. Freakweb. If you find me rude, then you can quit working for my company. Me. Okay, pay me for what I've done and I'll move on. Freakweb. Talk with respect. Freakweb. Understood. Freakweb. Take back the article and go away. Freakweb. I don't need them from a writer with so bad attitude. Freakweb. I can hire more better writers too. Freakweb. For this rate. Me. Pay what you owe or I will report you. Freakweb. Go ahead and report me. Freakweb, I don't mind. Freakweb, you talk with respect. Freakweb, then ask money. Freakweb, money. Freakweb, you don't even have any feedback. Freakweb, I gave you a change for $5 per article. Freakweb, you won't get such an offer for a newcomer in Freelancer. Freakweb, obviously Freelancer is not going to give a damn on your report. I pay in money every month and do business through them for a new writer 
who have never even bought single penny profit for freelancer do you think they gonna block my account freakweb you're free to report wherever you want me you're very disrespectful now you're saying you're only gonna pay me five dollars an article wow i live in new york city where do you get off paying such an insulting wage freakweb 10 better get lost freakweb that would be perfect for you freakweb I get some useless writers like you to work for such insulting wage, even being in New York City. Freakweb. Even after knowing the insulting wage, they still come back for us to, for work. Freakweb. How insulting is that? Freakweb. I don't mind paying you. Freakweb. Talk with respect and take wage. Freakweb. If you try to be over smart and dominate me, go to hell. I proceeded to be over smart and dominate by writing her clients, the ones that I wrote the articles for, and letting them know that I was ripped off and that they did not have permission to publish my articles. I spoke to one of them on the phone. He sent me her company website through which I found their Twitter and Facebook and proceeded to tweet about their business practices. I don't know what it is, but nothing gets a customer service issue attention or strikes fear into the internet scammer's heart like negative tweets. She emailed me soon after, but found me unwilling to remove the tweets in exchange for the $15 she intended to pay for writing the articles, an amount that Freelancer backed up because she had stopped the bidding after getting me to write on the sly, leaving Freelancer to base the wage on the description of the gig, five articles for $5 each. She said she couldn't afford 300 So I said, okay, take down the articles and refund your client's money. I also reminded her that I have thousands of followers and have been on the radio. This was her response. Let me do and check back with links of yours on porn sites with your photos. Carry on with your radio shows. I don't give a nuts. They both are no more my clients now. I don't bother a hell if you can do with them. Get lost. Hell yeah, get lost. See what's going to happen now. If you want to blackmail, then see how ugly you're going to be portrayed in all porn sites of U.S. get lost. I no more need this client. I have many more clients to handle. We'll be back with your porn site profiles in your picture and in your name. Do whatever you can. Well, if you know anything about David and I, you can only imagine how delighted we were at the prospect of all this free advertising. Unfortunately, she hasn't followed through. She says the articles have been taken down, but the links still work, so I don't know. And as far as the oh yeah, look what I do now game, I totally won. It is nearly impossible to find something to threaten a satanic pornographer in an open marriage with. But as far as getting what I wanted legally or monetarily, I'd have to say I lost that battle. I did not get paid, and my articles are still on the internet. Even though the CEO of FreakwinWeb, FreakWeb's internet, business name claims that they have been taken down maybe it's a cultural misunderstanding maybe i'm being an ignorant white american a notary public from new jersey commented on one of my facebook posts that email is not official notice and recommended i inform the fbi of the threats i don't know about the email thing all i know is an awful lot of people have lost jobs or at the very least got reprimanded over emails including a presidential candidate but Maybe he's onto something with this FBI thing. Either way, this has been Something Different with Heather Height on 9 Cents. You can follow me on Twitter at Heather Height. I am Heather Height on Facebook. 
like the Something Different with Heather Height Facebook page and email me at heatherheight at yahoo.com. As always, if you do any of these things, don't be a crazy. Say only nice, positive things, and thanks for listening. Hail Satan. eroticism i am a den or den and it's gay pride month it's gay pride month which means since i'm in new york city that there are rainbow pride flags shirtless hunks from all over the globe and complete and utter no no it's not even complete and utter there's some fucking shadow of debauchery gay culture is dead it's dead it's ridiculous my my neighbor, who is old school gay, said, you know, hang out the limelight, and he remembers, he remember he remembers the gay culture that I've only read about, and he went to Pride and came back for a beer, and he was like, dude, it was organized. There were more tits and fag hags than there were faggots. I don't understand what happened. 
but that has nothing to do with this episode. The point is, <laughs> the point is, gays can get married, and 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 because you lovely straight people have given us the privilege of marriage, <laughs> I decided to let the straight world in on a little secret from the gay gospels. So with all this hoopla about gay marriage and Pride Month, this is a gesture, a thank you to our now straight equals to let them in on the truth in Genesis, the gay Genesis. It's called Geneticis. <laughs> the truth about Adam and Eve. So, I and every other educated homosexual know that it was actually Adam and Steve in the Garden of Eden. And I'm going to give you the whole story about how this relates to the modern-day vaginal conspiracy, how women were made, and how men are now a dying gender. <laughs> in the beginning, the, there was Adam and Steve. Steve loves swallowing a lot of, let's say, um, salty foods. And this overabundance of salt in his diet led him to grow a vagina. <laughs> now, I'm not, um, I don't know much about biochemistry, so I'm not sure how salt creates a vagina, but I know it does. All right, because if you, well, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. So God comes through the Garden of Eden because, you know, an omniscient being needs to check on his creatures every now and then for whatever reason. Um, he's like, Yo, Steve, you got a vagina. I don't remember putting that there. <laughs> so he renamed Steve Eve. And thankfully, Adam was a bisexual. So in the beginning, there was a gay man who loved swallowing a lot of salty foods. And there was a bisexual who was a strict top. So, but the problem was that the former Steve, now named Eve, didn't give up her diet. And because she still swallowed a lot of salty foods, she uh, had daughters and boys, which is where we get women from, from a salty, salty diet. <laughs> so every pregnancy was supposed to be a boy, and all boys were supposed to be homosexuals. But because of salt, some boys grew vaginas in the womb. Now, if you notice in a grocery store, and you can check almost any diet site or organic site. They warn you about all the salt in the food. There's a lot of salt in food. And it's because women, they know. They know about this gay gospel. And they've teamed up with the vegan lesbians. And they're now trying to eliminate men. And that is the vaginal conspiracy. Now, let me make this perfectly clear. I want you to know this. Salt mines have increased. There are, you know, now there's bacon flavored everything, and bacon is very salty meat. All right. They're even, they even have bacon lube. They're even trying to turn the gay men, you know, the pure ones, the original humans, into vaginas. <laughs> now, if you notice the statistics, transgenderism is also on the rise. Coincidence? I think not. Oh, it's because of all this salty food. So now men 
because of the salt in the diet, are voluntarily cutting off their own penises and becoming a gender that was never supposed to exist to begin with. <laughs> we, ha we had an Olympic something or another. <laughs> Bro tits! <laughs> he was supposed to be like the epitome of masculinity. Sure, he was, what was he, a figure skater? <laughs> the epitome of masculinity as a figure skater. <laughs> and you know what else? He claims in that Vanity Fair article that he isn't gay. Well, now he is because he has a vagina. So this this man who liked women, which means he ate a little bit of salt, suddenly became eating, he, he, he started to eat a lot of salt and then became a transgender. I'm sorry, now a transsexual, became a transsexual. And now this transsexual is gonna stay with his wife and eat vagina. <laughs> He's now a lesbian. Case and point, people, case and point. Look at what you buy in the grocery store. Don't use bacon lube and for the love of God, stay away from lesbians because they walk around with syringes full of salt. It's like sailors turning to seawater. They're, they're, you know, the, the first step was feminism. Then after that became the feminization of men through metrosexuality. But now they're fighting us. This is chemical warfare. They're no better than Saddam Hussein. <laughs> the madness must stop. I, I, I went to the gay headquarters underneath Prada down in Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> I used my pink credit card and, you know, went into the... It went into the special clothes rack, into the elevator. The elevator took me down, and I sat at the big fluffy table with the other gay men, and we discussed this problem. We're, we're, we're thinking about releasing the gay gospels to the rest of you because straight men are like a delicacy for us. You know, you all suck in bed. You, you don't know how to fuck butt, let's be honest. But yeah, every now and then, it's kind of nice to be treated like a bitch by some little insecure breeder who's very, very confused after being slipped a roofie and e-pill and a lot of alcohol at a frat party. Not to say that I've ever done that. I don't condone that behavior, <laughs> but it's on the gay agenda. So I'm giving you a heads up. Look at, watch the Barnes and Noble website and don't just buy my book on Barnes and Noble website or on Amazon. Look for the gay gospels because <laughs> they may, they might save you from growing a vagina and becoming a lesbian. And I'm sure every straight man out there, the last thing he wants to be is a fat mohawk lesbian who wears plaid, covered in tattoos, and smells the high heaven of patchouli. Now, always remember, my fellow eroticists, keep your skirts up, your pants down, and no matter who bends over, keep your motherfucking penis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yes. why I started applauding. I have no idea why I started applauding. <laughs> You're applauding yourself. <laughs> it was that good. I'm going to take was, this a man, step further. Oh, I, right. You, come on. Okay, so if I'm understanding my gay gospels correctly, it was Adam and Steve and too much salt he thinks goo in his diet. Grew a vagina. Started producing other vaginas. This is an aberration of nature. That's right. But some of these women started 
to eat so much salt that they started actually liking girls too. So we've split from exactly. the guys who, if they maintain this salt diet, will ultimately turn into women with vaginas, and the girls who sort of feed upon themselves their vaginas. But some of the girls, I think, could they revert back to being a man? I mean, they certainly look like it sometimes. Maybe that could be when they go on a salt diet. You, you ever notice how, um, you know, like really, really hyper organic women start growing armpit hair, leg hair, and yeah. get all manly? That's exactly what happens, sir. They're starting to revert back, and they usually have very big clits. It's the penis kind of trying to escape from that bleeding meat flower that they have. To <laughs> trying to escape. It's, <laughs> it's like the, it's, it's the Diana Ross of body parts. It's like, I'm coming out. Now, wait a minute. We have a chart in, in the secret gay headquarters underneath, the, underneath Prada and Hell's Kitchen. Right. And we have this chart of emergency. I'm sorry, we have this chart of sickness. Now, at the bottom are lesbians because not only are they women which means they're sick they like women which means not only are they sick they're crazy now above that are straight women because you know they're sick but at least they want the cure also known as a penis now above that are straight men because they're not sick but they like people who are mm. now at the top is gay men because not only are we not sick we are not interested in sick people, and that's why we fuck something you shit out of. That's right. It's just science. Really. That's, in, that's in the revelations of the gay gospel. Yeah. It's, just, it's in revelations it's of the gay gospel. When when the majority of of the world are, are salty... <laughs> when the majority of the world are salty, veg, uh, salty vegans, you know, lesbian women, <laughs> that's when gay Jesus will come. <laughs> and start attacking people with dildos and that's when gay men will rise up and make over the world in Prada and Gucci <laughs> they did say and out like a lamb every in gay like man who has taken <laughs> every gay man who has had over a nine inch penis in his ass will be given a, a tiara to rule over a country which means there's going to be a lot of countries all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I, th I think it's just a, it's a sound. I wouldn't even call it conspiracy. I would just call it a sound, factual argument. I mean, it's just, uh, it, it's science. That's right. It's science. <laughs> Where can the good folks listening That's learn why... a little bit more about militant eroticism online? Uh, you can head over to www.militanteroticism.com. Um, I have an email address on there. You can send me what you think. Um, you can you can buy whatever version of, of Milton eroticism you like. The hardcover, which is on sale and only available until August first, then no more, no more after that. Uh, a paperback or an ebook, you know, if you have a filthy little Kindle, and uh, or you could just admire me. You you could go there. I have a picture up there. You can stare at that, masturbate to me. Why not? And uh, you know, I do. So, <laughs> or you can go, you know, there's uh, two Facebook pages. There's Milton Eroticism on Nine Cents for this uh, segment. And then there's Milton Eroticism to, for the books. So, you know, go over there and hit the like button and 
stay in the know. I post all kinds of crazy shit. Oh, yeah. Well, I definitely suggest everyone goes and checks out Militant Eroticism on Facebook. It's definitely a fantastic source for... Uh, I'm sorry, the on Nine Cents version of it. It's a fantastic source for sexuality um, and uh, just really interesting articles and news postings that Aden puts up. And then, of course, check out the book. Check out the book already. The hardcover, it's going away. So uh, you got another month, I think, and that's it. And it's gone forever. So do yourselves a favor, man. This is a, a fantastic collection. You want it to be uh, preserved in the best form, which is the hardcover. So do yourselves a favor. Uh, Aden, that was fantastic. Let's move to uh, Between the Horns and then uh, Old Nick's Peep Show. Absolutely. Let's go. Hello. This is Warlock M.A. Mandrake. This month's episode of Between the Horns is about something that has me pretty upset, so please forgive me for being a bit more serious this time. These are my thoughts on Charleston. I am a black Satanist. There don't seem to be that many out there. And while I don't rely on my racial background for an identity, it does affect the way in which I experience the world around me. That includes the most recent incident of homegrown American terrorism. On June 17th, a white gunman killed nine black people attending Bible study at the Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina. It has been reported that he intended to ignite a race war. This massacre and its aftermath disgust me on many levels. First and foremost, the victims had done absolutely nothing to deserve that fatal gunfire. They were keeping to themselves, engaged in religious study in the privacy of their church. They weren't bothering anyone. We Satanists may disagree with Christian doctrine, but we live and let live. A Satanist would never inflict violence against another person who doesn't deserve it. Hell, we don't even proselytize. This shooting is, like all terrorist acts, an example of someone attempting to force others to comply with their personal views in the very worst way. Now, I am fully aware that many black Christians would consider me an abomination. A black Satanist will have nothing to do with you. This has happened to me in the past. I'm probably more on their side than they are on mine. The same goes for racists, of all colors. As long as they don't come after me with guns and Bibles, though, we'll get along just fine. But apparently, I can't always count on that. Black churches have played an important part in civil rights struggles. Those efforts have allowed me to enjoy life with greater freedom than my ancestors did. And yet, those churches exist because black people were enslaved by white Christians. And those white Christians, like their black slaves, were descended from pagans who were often forced to convert. Myth against myth against myth, and for what? The dubious promise of paradise just beyond this veil of blood? Fanatical faith has driven religious and racist violence throughout history. These acts are rooted in a firm belief that something or someone is evil. That just isn't natural. And to work against nature is to embrace death. That is the sickly thinking behind all totalitarian belief systems. That includes all forms of evangelism, whether religious, racist, political, or even atheist. 
Each man's utopia is a billion others living hell. If only we could just all agree to disagree and simply go about our lives. I have heard Christians react to the shooting by going on about demons and devils. But to the shooter, blacks are devils. Everyone is a devil in someone's eyes. Meanwhile, all we Satanists call for is justice. It all comes down to the irresponsible behavior of one man who overstepped his bounds by infringing on the rights of others. Up until that point, he had the freedom to believe whatever he wanted. He still does. And so does the congregation. Every person has the right to his or her beliefs until they try to force them on others. I am not part of the black community. I am not even part of the so-called satanic community. I am an individualist with black relatives and satanic comrades. The very concept of community is what leads to violent clashes between groups of hurdlings. That makes them dangerous to each other and to us. Sheep in wolves' clothing still have fangs. What would it take to pull the fangs from over their eyes? I cannot imagine surviving that church shooting only to return and praise God. While I respect the congregants' need for comfort, it is infuriating to even consider the possibility of such a fatally negligent creator. That said, I am sorry for the loss of these nine innocent people's lives. This kind of terrorism is nothing new, but every such incident is a reminder of what we are still up against. I don't usually get into the news or politics, and I can only hope that this rant was coherent. Thank you for listening. Maybe next time, we can have a bit more fun again. Until then, this is Warlock M.A. Mandrake. Let reason rule the earth. Hail Satan. Welcome to another Old Nick's Peep Show. The only segment that delivers beautiful women, masculine men, and intriguing information on all things Old Nick. Joining us as always is the very first Old Nick chick, which Marilyn Mansfield, and her handsome man, managing editor, Warlock Zothamog. How are both of you today? We are very good, Adam. Thank you. How are you? We're doing well. Thank you. Fantastic. I'm doing quite well, too. Uh, I'm very excited to have you guys on. The summer issue came out, and it is a hot one. I mean, just absolutely filled with some fantastic content. Um, I was wondering, uh, Zah, can you maybe give us a brief rundown about some of the things you could find in this newest issue for those who, uh, for some odd reason, haven't picked it up yet? Um, sure. The new issue, The Summer of Sin, volume five, number one, has, um, of course, very nice girls in it. But besides that, we have an article on the artist H.R. Giger, we have an article about our own Nathan Gray. We feature the art of Patrick DeMarco. Um, the centerfold Scarlet Black is also has an article in there about the seven deadly sins. This is part two of her series of the seven deadly sins. There's also the um, pagan slut fiction that's in there. Um, always we have Wine, Women, and Song, which reviews um, music, movies, and books. Um, one of the books featured in this issue is um, Magister Bob Johnson's upcoming book, The Satanic Warlock, 
which yeah. is very cool. Yay. I can't wait yeah. for that. Hope there's pictures in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, if you, if you go to the website now, um, the satanicwarlock.com, um, there's a few pictures there that you could look at. Oh, yeah. I've got to check it out. Yeah. I checked it out, but I haven't been on that recent. You were mm-hmm. on like today, right? Uh, yeah, I always check yeah. it out every once in a while. And anyone who wants to go there, they can actually um, sign up to receive updates about when the book is going to be um, coming out. And I believe it's scheduled for the uh, Walpurgis Knot 2016, yeah. April yep. 30th. That I know. There will be 666 first editions, so people should sign up now to make sure that they get their copy. I think you should do a, a you know, a companion calendar or something, and the ladies should pick the, <laughs> you know, the men shown. <laughs> it's like a community I, 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 I'm always getting into this, right? Well, I, I believe, I, you know, I believe um, one of your favorites, Matthew Camp, is on the. Oh, on the I love Matthew Camp. Yeah. Nice. He's everyone's favorite. Well, you know, he's a lot of eye candy for a lot of people. He's well, Mm. he's gorgeous. Well, well, there you go. It's satanic warlock. Why not? Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's drive it back over (laughs) away from uh, Matthew (laughs) Camp to old Nick here, really quick, if we can. I'm trying to get to nudie men pics, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of. I mean, just you you gave us a really good rundown of what you can find in this newest issue. Are there any that you would call your own personal favorite? I know I've got one, but What's I'll give yours? you mine last. Oh, uh, you want to give us yours last? Okay. Um, I really like the piece on H.R. Giger. I've always been a fan of his for many, many years. Um, mm. I used to have the big hardcover books with all of his, you know, airbrush artwork in it. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the Alien movies, you know. Um, so I was, like, really excited just to, like, you know, read the article and I was just like, wow, this is so cool. You know, that, that Giger's in old Nick magazine, you know, I was just yeah. like, I was kind of blown away by that. I'm a fan, a, you know? So I was yeah, just like, he's a, Whoa. he's a big name, but I mean, huge talent. Um, and he, I mean, he is past, but his work lives on. Yeah. He's uh, like iconic. Like, you know, like just like when you see something that's even like, if, you know, to coin the phrase Giger-esque, you know, mm-hmm. you're just like, Oh, that's totally like inspired by him. Well, he did work in one of my favorite movies, Poltergeist 2. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that, uh, yeah, yeah that was, I remember the, that show. That worm and the, the skull tower with the heads and all yeah, that, yeah. remember? He's done work that in a That was the one with the movies. priest, right? Yeah. Mm, <laughs> so game, creepy. Right? I love that guy. <laughs> I didn't know Giger was involved in that. That's awesome. Yeah, he did the, um, he designed the, um, the uh, tequila worm monster and he did the um, the big at, monster at the, at the end. end. Yeah, the thing, um, the, the tower with Caroline's head. Yeah, Come I didn't watch that again. That. It's like yeah. some weird abomination creature at the end. Yeah, you know, you got to look back, see that yeah. again, and you'll see the the influence there. Hell yeah. Yep. What, well, uh, Marilyn? Do you have a favorite for this issue? Well, you know, I'm a fan of Nathan Gray, so I enjoyed that. Um, you know, we saw Nathan Gray. I think I said this on a previous. Uh, peep show episode but um we saw nathan gray and i really 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 enjoyed his live performance and yeah we love his music yeah i mean you know it's it's rare for us you know um to go out and and see someone perform you know music musically musically is that a word yeah (laughs) and really 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 enjoy it i mean Mm -hmm. you know and we really enjoyed Nathan Gray. Yeah, I mean, you know, once everything. again, we're we're fans. So yeah. you know, it was like 
totally like exciting for us to open up the issue and, and see Nathan. Yeah, Ray, yeah. And we were like, yes, awesome. We really love and support his music. So, yeah. you know, that, that was awesome to have him included in this issue. Well, so that was that was my uh, thing. And Scarlet Black, you know, she's um She's I gorgeous think she's a doll, you know, and I love her um very classy. Yeah, thing. very classy. Mm-hmm. It's a very uh Dita Von Teese. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I like that, of course. So. Uh-huh. Yep. I'm bringing like it back it. with the girls too. So my favorite was Jezebel. I thought uh, she <laughs> She's was, an old Nick favorite. Yeah. yeah. I, I love the the series is called Jezebel's Getting Very Hot. Uh, and goddamn, <laughs> she was uh-huh, gorgeous. Uh-huh. That everything, that the skin color, the her hair, and of course her body. She's a fantastic, fantastic model. Um, it's always amazing how, how, I don't know. It, it seems like it, it it should be difficult getting gorgeous women uh, to be featured in your particular, not, not you as in old Nick, but you as in uh, someone producing content online when it, it seems like online, there's just billions of girls out there just doing stuff, uh, you know, everywhere, um, in online, like porn and modeling and, uh, nudes. Is that ever a concern with old Nick? I mean, you have to be able to have a product that draws women in, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we try to keep a certain standard with the magazine. You know, mm-hmm. we try to keep it classy, but at the same time, you know, give the the subscribers what they want. We want to show skin and we want to show a, an erotic um, photo shoot. But um, um, is it difficult? I, I I won't say no. I mean, you know, we have to go through many different models to choose the best ones for each issue, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I, I don't. I don't feel that it's particularly um, a challenge for us. No, but we don't worry about it because what we what we do is totally different, and we make sure that then you know everything else out there, and mm-hmm. and you can tell that through the content itself, the whole magazine. I mean, you know, it, it's it's there's really nothing like it. That's the that's the great thing. Yeah, it's got its own unique feel. From the moment yeah. you open it up, you could tell you're looking at old Nick, and it's not just your typical. You yeah. Know, pornography magazine yeah or website for that matter yeah we we've seen so many things and you know i mean it it really does have a high standard you know like 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 playboy you know had for so many years i would say i mean that's my personal opinion but you know yeah i mean i i feel i feel does i don't know if we've ever talked about it before but um if we have everyone will have to excuse me uh is there ever a concern about print going out and, uh, you know, how Old Nick will uh, adapt to that, if if it's even a concern, if it'll ever happen? Well, we, we did face that decision a couple of years ago, which is why we ended up putting the magazine on MadCloud, because before previously, it was only print. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and of course, you know, even though many of us, like myself, I mean, I don't know, I, I know a few friends who will agree with me, we like to have things in print. You know, I like to have a real book, not yes. an e-book, yeah. you know, whatever they call it. And mm-hmm. what is it, an e-book, i-book? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. sure. <laughs> I want to I I have, like, bend pages and turn the pages. And, yes. You know, I sleep with books next to my, my bed. So, um, mm-hmm. 
I feel that the print magazines are like a collector's edition. Yeah. And right. then, and if you're a collector, if you like to have the, yeah. the physical magazine, then you know the print option is always what you're gonna what you're gonna go for. But then mm. you know there are those who enjoy the digital. So yeah. we have both, and we have right. you know the also the the triple X rated version of the digital on um, mm-hmm. on skin mags. That that was also another decision because you know. We, we have to um, keep up with the times. So, you know, when we were talking to Bob and everything, we decided, um, he decided to go digital and print if you want it, you know, and um, do the, the uh, X-rated... X, uh, X, 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 triple X. Yeah. There's too many X's. It's not even legal in the United States. Well, you know, there's a rating, there's a scale and a rating, and you want to go to the, the three X's. Three X's. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was all because, you know, you have to, when you're selling a product, you have to kind of stick with the time. So I mm-hmm. guess, you know. And, you know, getting back to what you were saying before, you know, this is how we compete right, with right. everyone else that's that's doing some sort of pornography out there. You know, we're, we're catering yeah. to all sorts of um, audiences, people like the the more raunchy, the more hardcore, then they can go to skin mags and they can right. see that. If they just want the collector's edition magazine paper, then they can go to MagCloud and purchase that. Different issues. But so there's people who love the digital stuff. So, yeah, you know, yeah. you got to accommodate everybody. So I think both are wonderful. Actually. Yeah, both are great. I mean, and then if, the, you know, if you get the print, you could have the digital as well. So it right. works out, right. you know, nice. either or. Well, I think that is important to note that if you do buy, the, I'm going to reiterate exactly what you just said. If you do buy the print version, you are going to get the digital version, right? Yes. Or is that like a bundle option? No, no, no. If if you if you purchase through MagCloud the print edition, you also get the PDF free download. That is a uh, that's a bonus. Yeah, take it with you and read it on the plane or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah expose you know. the people next to you to old Nick magazine <laughs> hey most oh, smartphones fantastic. now are able to read pdfs and you could just look at it on wherever yeah absolutely Hell yeah. well that's fantastic where can people go to learn more about old nick magazine online um of course there's a website oldnickmagazine.com and mm-hmm. you can follow me on twitter at old nick chick and for all our social media links, you can go to oldnickmagazine.com at our footer. You can find links for Facebook and Twitter and Google Plus and Pinterest and Ello and MagCloud and Skin Mags and TripleXCamsForYou.com and check out our store at Cafe Press and et cetera, et cetera, yeah, the et cetera. store has some really nice stuff. We're all over the web. Yeah. The store has really nice merch, so you might want to check that out. And some of definitely. it, it's really good, really high quality. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know, any models that are interested in submitting, they can always write to info at oldnickmagazine.com. And if you want ad space in the magazine, mm-hmm. same email address. Or if you want to submit a writing piece. Yes. And if you want to um, submit uh, music reviews, what's your... Oh, they could just find me on Facebook, Zothamog999. Yep. All right. They can uh, private message me or leave me something on my wall, whatever. It doesn't matter. I'll check it out. And if I deem it worthy, it will be reviewed in the next issue. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's an amazing opportunity, you know, just 
it's easy to get a lot of lip service from people that you are friends with or connected to, you know, personally. But it, if you send suggested, you know, if you send your work to old Nick, you know, you're going to get a professional opinion on it. It's not just going to be, um, no, no, honey, you're doing great. You're, you're a wonderful <laughs> singer. You know, it's going to be honest and open. And, and I think that's important for people to not only be exposed to honesty uh, with their work, but also if it is up to par, you could be featured in fucking Old Nick Magazine. How badass is that? So yeah. I think it's an awesome opportunity for everyone, whether you're a, a, an artist, uh, a musician, or a model. OldNickMagazine.com is the place to go. Um, well, thank you yes. both so much for joining me. Uh, until we can uh, chat again. Hail Satan. Of course. And if anyone is interested before we go about mm -hmm. the Satanic Warlock, go to SatanicWarlock.com. You could sign up for the... Uh, um, to receive right, updates. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Because that's Fantastic. really exciting. Thank you both. All right, Hail thanks. Satan. Hail Satan. And that's going to do it for another show, people. We hope you enjoyed it, and we would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let us know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit us in social media, Satanet, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, and MySpace, and uh, get updated on weekly topics or contests or random musings, random thoughts that run through our heads. Download the show Mondays via the RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, iTunes, and YouTube. Wherever you get us, give us a rating and a comment. We appreciate it. And of course, if you'd like to learn more about Satanism or the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And keep in mind, people, the only way we're going to continue doing this is via your interaction. You've done such a wonderful job letting other people know about Nine Cents, communicating with us on a regular basis. Let's keep it going. Keep spreading the word. Let's uh, bring Nine Cents uh, ever more ears to uh, put salty, salty <laughs> things into. I guess I don't fucking know. <laughs> Uh, once again, thank you for joining me. And as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by... Uh, Dan Arden, the one who will warn you away from salty food so you don't grow a vagina. Remember this, folks. Remember this. This is the most important episode I've ever done. <laughs> Heed the anti-vagina word! You do not need That's to right. grow one. The last thing we want is a bunch of pussies running. <laughs> Until next week, people. The last people. thing we want are a bunch of pussies running around. Yeah, no. Until next week, hail Satan! Hail Satan!